Okay, so take a listen to this. The Joker and I broke up. I wanted a fresh start. But it turns out I wasn't the only Damon Gotham looking for emancipation. Just a little taste of the trailer for Birds of Prey, the upcoming action-packed DC Comics-inspired release from Warner Brothers. Welcome to Hello Movies, a podcast by movie lovers for movie lovers. I'm your host, Natasha Gargiulo. Today on the podcast, we've got a running theme going on. We're talking about women and revenge. We're going to be looking at two films that feature some mighty angry females on personal missions involving violence, emancipation, and vengeance. Birds of Prey, of course, starring Margot Robbie. And the rhythm section, a brand new thriller starring Blake Lively. From Elizabeth Salander to Wonder Woman, more and more movies are featuring these complicated female protagonists. Women who don't do things by the book and who don't shy away from violence. Audiences are loving these films and we're going to talk about why that is. And we've got some killer guests lined up. You know what a harlequin is? A harlequin's role is to serve. It's nothing without a master. As you heard, a harlequin equals a servant trickster character from the very old Italian tradition of Commedia dell'arte. Harley Quinn equals the name of a complicated female with a lot of moral gray area to explore. We last saw her as the Joker's main squeeze in Suicide Squad. She was so popular with fans that she's back in her own movie. Full title, Birds of Prey and the Fantabulous Emancipation of One Harley Quinn. This time, she's teamed up with a whole pack of female antiheroes in Gotham City. The Birds of Prey includes Black Canary, Huntress, and Renee Montoya, the first openly gay character on screen in a DC comic film. Their mission? To save a young female thief from a truly evil crime lord, Black Mask, played by Ewan McGregor. Margot Robbie, as we know, has taken on the role of Harley Quinn. Is she good or is she bad? Does she still like the Joker? Whose side is she on? And can you really trust her? What's driving her forward? So to talk about what motivates a character like Harley Quinn and to speculate on why people love her so much, I've got Hina Khan here with me. Hina is a coach and a registered psychotherapist whose main job is guiding people to create lasting change in their lives. So basically an expert at helping stuck people get unstuck. I'm sure you're very popular and you have a lot of clients. Um, we asked her to consider Harley Quinn and give us her professional opinion. Hi, Hina. Welcome to Hello Movies. Hi, Natasha. Thank you for having me. It's my pleasure. Okay, so you heard about this film, right? I have. Um, we get to watch a group of really super tough and slightly twisted sisters doing it for themselves. And it comes on the heels of Harley Quinn breaking up with the Joker. So what role do you think female friendships have in the wake of a breakup? I think female friendships are everything yeah. in the wake of a breakup. That's who you go to. That's kind of the soft place that you land. And that's also where you can take some time to heal and also gain perspective on what has happened, what you've been through. And then it's also an opportunity sometimes for those girlfriends to share some of their insights that they could not share mm -hmm. when you were in the relationship. Yeah, you are right. Whenever we get out of a relationship, whenever we go through a breakup, there's obviously a lot of anger involved. In general, how would you describe the female relationship to rage? So I think the relationship between women and rage and anger is complicated even for us because some of us are not comfortable with our own anger and our own rage because we've never been taught ways to express it. We've been told to bottle it, bottle it up. Why are we told to bottle it up? 
because it makes other people comfortable. And so we've been told that we've also been given an idea of how young women should be in social situations, in situations like that, and that we should not get we should not get angry because it's very unbecoming. But yet, in movies like uh, Harley Quinn and Birds of Prey, we're seeing these anti-hero and um, these anti-heroines that are kind of raging and getting revenge back, and we're seeing it very popular on the big screen. So people love them, especially these women. Why is that? I think people are ready for it. And it's speaking to something that people are craving. They're tired of, you know, women being boxed into these stereotypical characters. But what's really exciting about it is that I've got two boys that are 10 and 12. And when they see these strong female leads, they don't even bat an eyelash. Like to them, it is normal now. So I think we're seeing a paradigm shift. Also, as we see more female directors, yes. more more female screenwriters, you know, when we see it sort of in front of and behind the camera, we're seeing the narrative change as well. And then these characters, what's so beautiful about it is that they are complex and layered as we are. Yeah. How do you think films like this, uh, female directed, strong female leads, uh, full of female initiated violence will impact the next generation of moviegoers? I think it gives women, young girls, permission to be able to access their whole range of feelings, not just the feelings that we find acceptable. And I think there's something really powerful to see it on the big screen because we see it in movies of superheroes with boys all the time and they get to, in their imagination, go there. You know, I see it with my boys that are 10 and 12 and they've got Nerf guns and they're, you know, they're playing parts and they're doing it and it's all really healthy and it's great and it's going to be wonderful that young girls will be able to access that as well. Hina, thank you so much. It's been awesome talking to you about this. The fantabulous Hina Khan, everybody. This is the Girls Get Even episode of the Cineplex Hello Movies podcast. If you like what you're hearing, don't forget to subscribe, like, share and review us where you get your podcasts. Coming up, the rhythm section starring Blake Lively, a tense and moving film about anger, loss, and retribution. Blake plays Stephanie Patrick, a woman who turns to violence to get revenge on the people who killed her family. I lost my family three years ago. It wasn't an accident. I need your help to find the ones who did this. I've got nothing to lose. What about your life? What about it? Okay, so the rhythm section is a new British-American action thriller, screenplay by Mark Brunel, based on his novel of the same name, and directed by Reed Morano, who directed the first three episodes of The Handmaid's Tale. Blake Lively is playing Stephanie Patrick, a grieving woman who assumes the identity of an assassin so she can uncover the truth about how her family died and go after revenge against those responsible. The film also stars Jude Law and Sterling K. Brown. The character of Stephanie Patrick has been compared with Lisbeth Salander from the Girl with the Dragon Tattoo series, a woman dealing with trauma, dark and self-destructive, but deeply determined. I recently had the chance to talk to writer Mark Burnell, who created Stephanie Patrick, to learn more about her and the film. 
All right, so I had the opportunity to read this book over the holidays, and I must confess it is a page-turner. Um, it kind of reminds me of a female-born identity because Stephanie Patrick really kicks butt in this uh, novel. So, Mark, tell me what you were setting out to do when you wrote the character of Stephanie Patrick. Well, originally, um, before I started the book, the, the character was going to be male because conventionally that's what happens in these kind of books. But there was something that, that just didn't feel right. and. I can't even truthfully remember now quite when it was that I thought, what if it was a woman? But it was one of those things like the moment it's thought, you can't unthink it. And then I thought, okay, yeah, that, that would be so much more interesting because I haven't read anything like this from a, you know, with a female um, central character in these type of thrillers. And of course, then the big issue was, well, how's that going to be for me to write this character from her perspective, you know? This character has been compared in the press to Lisbeth Salander. Uh, from the Girl with yeah. the Dragon Tattoo series. How similar do you feel that they are to one another? They do differ in some respects. I mean, Stephanie's, the reason Stephanie's in such a pitiful state when we meet her is as a direct consequence of what happens to her family when she's in her sort of mid, late, in, in her late teens. Prior to that point, she's grown up in a very loving, stable, well-off middle-class family. She's had the best kind of upbringing you could possibly imagine. That is not true, I know, of the Elizabeth uh, Salander character. If there are some comparisons to be made, I would say it's they both have a part of them somewhere held somewhere deep inside them, deep, deep inside them, which is who they truly are. And it's that's protected. So whatever else happens mm -hmm. to them, whatever people do to them physically, the, the kind of emotional stuff that gets thrown at them, as long as that little bit stays safe, they can kind of deal with everything else. I would say that's probably a sort of big similarity between the two. Yes. I think another similarity is kind of like that underlying message about seeking revenge or getting vengeance. So yeah. <laughs> what were you trying to get across with that story for this character? For Stephanie, what she's looking for is to feel better. She wants justice because there's been an injustice. And not only that, it's taken away her family. So on, the, on a basic level, that's what she's looking for. Um, but more deeply, she wants to feel better. She doesn't want to be hurting so much. And she feels initially that if she can get revenge, if she can make it right, then she's going to feel right. You worked with Reed Morano, who directed the first three episodes of The Handmaid's Tale. What was it like working with her? Truthfully, uh, when I first met her uh, here in London, I'd sort of heard about her, but I hadn't seen uh, Meadowland and <clears throat> I hadn't seen The Handmaid's Tale either. Um, but I, she was a name I sort of heard of anyway. I was introduced to her by um, Barbara Broccoli and Michael Wilson. And um, they said, look, you know, it's very important to us that you're happy with her before, you know, so we met. And as soon as I met her, as soon as we started talking, I just thought, okay, this is going to be absolutely fine. And um, we got on am amazingly well. She had a totally, our, our views of how this should be were totally locked, really from the first day. So, yeah, I, I couldn't have been happier. Mm -hmm. she, she's been terrific the whole way through. And I'm curious to know about your thoughts of Blake Lively playing Stephanie Patrick. So I sat through, I think it was 85 separate um, auditions for Stephanie. Blake was not 85? one of them. 85, yeah. Can you tell um, us who were some of the other actresses that auditioned for it? So there were two really real standout um, auditions, uh, both both English. Um, that was, but we'd always agreed here that no matter who made this and how it should be, that Stephanie should stay English. She should definitely be English on the screen. So most of the actresses who auditioned were English. And there was Florence Pugh. Her, her audition was really fantastic, as you would expect. And then there was another um, woman whose audition 
again, rather to my shame, I hadn't, I didn't know who she was because I hadn't seen the series that she was in over here, which is very, very popular. It's a big sort of Sunday evening show um, called Eleanor Tomlinson, and she's in this show called Poldark, which is this sort of 17th, 18th century thing set down in Cornwall. It's a big costume drama. Her, her audition was absolutely extraordinary. I mean, really amazing. Anyway, so but anyway, there were there were about half a dozen really standout ones, but Eleanor Tomlinson's was the best. And then suddenly, I get a call from Barbara saying, "Oh, by the way, Reed's signed. She's definitely directing." So that was like excellent. And Blake Lively is going to play Stephanie. It's like really, <laughs> it's like a, it came as a total surprise. I have no sort of hesitation about saying this now because of the way it turned out. But I was slightly taken aback. So I thought, well, Blake Lively, this is not who I imagined that uh, was going to be playing Stephanie because I'm mostly familiar from uh, with her work. My daughter is a huge fan of Gossip Girl. XOXO. Um, well, exactly. And <laughs> although I had, I had recently seen The Shallows. I had recently seen The mm -hmm. Shallows where she's in every single scene and mm -hmm. was terrific. But nevertheless, that wasn't quite what I had in mind. Right. Um, but then from the first day, we, the first day um, on set was in Dublin. The moment I saw her on the monitor, the way she looked, her attitude. I mean, she, she looked terrible because it's right at the beginning of the movie. She looked absolutely <laughs> shocking. Um, but the way she looked and the way she got into the car and her insolence and her accent, everything was just like, we're in safe hands here. You know, we're, we are absolutely in safe hands. And she really exceeded, I think, everybody's expectation. And I would say that part of that was probably due to the relationship she had with Reed. Um, mm -hmm. I think Reed enabled her i think blake trusted reed enough uh, and that that meant that um reed, uh, reed was then able to get this performance out of her well you see i think that is a perfect example of why people should go see this movie because we want to see what blake lively is going to do to stephanie patrick and how she's going to perform and i think it's a, a role that's going to challenge her but also we'll see her in a different light so thank you for that um what i'm interested in knowing very briefly i'm sure there's a long process to it but um what's the process from taking a novel and converting it into a screenplay because i'm sure there's a lot of bits in the book that are not included in the in the film that we won't see there are um well firstly the the general first step that happens in this process is that you should exclude the writer because um oh. of, of the novel because writers very don't generally get asked to adapt their own work for a very good reason actually is that most of them find it hard to butcher the book but for me the book exists in its own right it's there and so we're making a movie which is something different and it's not important that we hack up the book which was just as well because that's actually what we did um you've read the book there's there's way too much in those pages to go into a one hour 45 movie mm -hmm. and that, uh, that that never bothered me in fact i found that I, I really enjoyed that having to sort of think of something completely new and, and um you know alternative um mm -hmm. and just doing whatever it needs to be done to make the two hours work that's some um, great and insight. i really enjoyed that yeah no that's some fantastic insight for any uh screenwriters out there do you have any tips for them any last words that perhaps some screenwriters are listening right now and they're saying oh i'd love to you know, find out some little uh, tidbits on how I can improve my work. The first bit of advice I would give is would, would apply actually to novelists and screenwriters, which is just do it. And I know this better than anybody. I spend an awful lot of time finding excuses not to sit down and do the work. 
And if you can get past that, just do it. That's helpful. I think we because, all do. Uh, yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. And the other thing, this is something I've sort of picked up with the, the screenwriting on the way. It's the dialogue is the dialogue, but all the other stuff, try to find a lot of different people are going to read your script and they're going to feel about it differently. And you need to find a language that is clear. It's got to be very economical and not be off-putting. Um, and there are scripts which are very off-putting sometimes to different eyes and to different sensibilities. And you've got to, if you can find a sort of a neutral way that isn't boring but is clear, that's going to be incredibly helpful. And that's something which I really picked up along the way. And uh, that was that was a an unexpected uh, lesson, I would say. Mark, thank you so much for taking the time to speak with us today. Well, I appreciate well thank it. you so much. That's it for today. I hope you enjoyed this Girls Get Even episode of Hello Movies, looking at women, revenge, and the art of reclaiming your identity after trauma. The Rhythm section opens January 31st, and Birds of Prey comes at you February 7th. Plus, if you like action, opening this week on January 24th, The Gentleman, an action comedy written and directed by Guy Ritchie, starring Matthew McConaughey as a marijuana kingpin who's looking to retire. Plenty of great reasons to get down to your local Cineplex and check out a movie. Don't forget to save me some popcorn. I'm Natasha Gorgiulo. Thanks for listening. <laughs>